Just before Christmas, I received a new CD. And right then, in the bustle of all the last-minute preparations for the holiday and all the work that goes into making something like that happen, I set up a, a CD player that I took from my kid's room and put it on the kitchen counter. And I began listening while I continued doing all the various work there at the dining room table. In some ways, it felt like a a melancholy kind of Christmas, unable as we were to gather and feast and most especially sing together. As the last track of the CD began, this after many gorgeous songs, I stopped. I closed my laptop, I looked up, and I just listened. And then I played the song again. The song started with just one lilting voice singing out this tender question and beautiful invitation. She began by asking, are there anybody here like Mary weeping? Are there anybody here like Mary weeping? She seemed to know the answer, that yes, of course there were. And so she continued singing, Call to my Jesus, and he'll draw nigh. The song went on, Are there anybody here like Peter sinking? Are there anybody here like jailers trembling? Call. Call to my Jesus, and he'll draw nigh. It's an old song, originally a shape note tune from early American music from what research I could do. It was totally new to me. It felt like such a countercultural message. I think this is what we are receiving in our passage from the letter to the Hebrews today. Backing up, I want to remind you that before Jesus came onto the scene, people had long awaited a, a triumphant Savior, a Messiah who would, perhaps with a very strong and impressive army, would overthrow the oppressive Roman occupation. Instead, this teacher came, a teacher who loved the weak and broke bread with those who lived on the margins, who sat down with those who challenged the system, worked together, and who did all that largely by telling these enigmatic stories, and then who finally was killed by this same system. Where was that mighty army? Where was the strength that would reclaim power for Israel? It was all so frustrating and disappointing. This letter speaks into that place of shared dismay. The writer seems to know that 
People did not want a broken, suffering Savior. And so begins to shed some light on what came of that violent end. We hear that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And my goodness, that line right there can bring everything to a standstill. Suffering as a a means to learn obedience? No, thank you. I am not interested. I think many of us stop listening right there. And with good reason. We have no need for being told what excellent purpose our suffering might serve or, or how it will make us more submissive or dutiful. That sort of teaching generally only causes more harm. But wait, hang on with me there. I think there is more going on under the surface, under the weight of how these teachings have been misused. For starters, the writer of this letter is talking about Jesus. Yes, we are to emulate Jesus as we follow him. There is something to that, but the writer is not describing us. He's narrating to us what God is like. And to begin with, God, in the form of Jesus, knows what it is to suffer, to feel pain, to be uncertain and feel abandoned, to long for some other way forward. Jesus knows all that intimately because he has lived it. And second, and perhaps more importantly, we have this word obedience. If it resonates with you, wonderful. And I know that obedience is an idea, a practice that, that irks a lot of Episcopalians. But it's a word and a concept that carries so much more depth and nuance than we generally encounter as so often it's used as this this stick to tell people that they should quietly do as they're told. But at its root, obedience is about listening. I dug into the Greek of this passage from the letter to the Hebrews this week, and I discovered that the word we hear as obedience, hupakoe, describes not just some kind of docile submission, but the act of hearing, of hearing so actively and attentively. It's about listening with great attention. Obedience in this context takes the form of hearing so carefully that one then responds faithfully. And the writer of this letter perceives a connection between the way in which Jesus suffered and the way in which he listens. He knows human pain, and so he pays attention. Generally, I think, I suspect anyways, that this line is understood as meaning that Jesus learned through his suffering to listen to God. But I can't 
help but notice that this isn't actually spelled out. He learns in this pain to listen attentively, period. And with that gorgeous song still echoing in my mind, I'm reminded that he offers this careful ear to us as well. Are there anybody here like Mary weeping? Call to my Jesus and he'll draw nigh. This week, once again, brought us brutal stories of pain and violence. This time taking the form of the shootings in Georgia where the majority of those killed were Asian women. In light of that pain and especially alongside the knowledge that violence against people <coughs> of Asian descent has been on the rise here in the Bay Area, I think this revelation in the letter to the Hebrews arrives as good news. Not because it validates human suffering or lends purpose or meaning to it. I do not believe that that is what the writer aims to do. No, this is good news for us because in Jesus we have a God who listens attentively to the suffering of the world, who understands it intimately, and who weeps together with us as it unfolds. Jesus knows suffering and joins us there. This truth does not change the fact that this appalling violence happened. And it does not fix the suffering caused by this violence, nor by COVID-19 and isolation and spreading poverty and so many other problems racking our world. But I think this truth can change how we live through suffering and how we find a way forward together. We are not alone in that pain, not ever. We are attended there. We are joined in the midst of it by this God who has been there too and who chooses to be there again with us. Because of his own suffering, Jesus listens attentively to the suffering of the world. This is his expression of obedience, and it is one we need. Can we hold on to this vision and carry it with us? Can we remember this word as we mourn those killed in Atlanta as we fear for and work for the safety of all our human kindred? Can we hold on to it as we wrestle all manner of sorrow? This truth does not erase the pain, but it can transform the way forward. Are there anybody here like Mary weeping, 
call to my Jesus and he'll draw nigh.